Hello, my beautiful people. Welcome to the inaugural episode of I Have a Question. And today, I have a question. Well, it's one that I asked myself in the past and then proceeded to answer. And perhaps not the best way. Is it entertaining? Buckle up, you beautiful bastards. Strap in and prepare to listen to How Not to Travel. So, the year 2017. A young bright-eyed, bushy-tailed Daniel at university, and he's never been overseas before, okay? He's working really hard, he's studying, he's doing everything supposed to, sleeping late, not studying. Then he hears one day that there's a chance that the university will choose two lucky students to go abroad, to enrich themselves by embracing themselves with the French culture, croissants, coffees and cigarettes all day, dinners at the Eiffel Tower, and evenings on tourist boat rides. Well, I ended up winning this competition with a friend. So one day we're in class and we hear that, okay, on Monday morning, they're gonna be announcing that they're gonna choose two students that are gonna go to France. My friend and I, sitting across the table, We look at each other, we smile. We carry on with the lesson. We're both constantly thinking of it. And then at the end of the lesson, we say, okay, you know what? We're gonna throw our hats into the ring and we're just gonna see what happens the next week. And I, a diligent student working hard, rain in the background, just a soundtrack to theme of my life, whatever that means. And my professor comes in and says, Daniel, um, we have chosen you. Now, at this moment, I'm all alone, which is a part of the course. And um, so I decide to go find someone that I can celebrate with. So I tell all my friends, I'm messaging everyone. Everyone's pumped. They're so happy for me. I call my other friend. I tell her she already knows somehow. So we don't have much time to prepare. It's near the end of the semester. We have just a couple weeks. We're literally running between offices. We're sweating. We, we book our flights, we book our, our residence that we're going to be staying in, the modules we're going to be doing, great. Okay, first problem. French websites are awful. Now, I'm South African for everyone who's listening to this. Um, and, uh, you know, we're not particularly known for our great customer service, but French websites want you to stay offline. I think they may be designed by old parents wanting their kids to stop playing Fortnite and pick up a book. I don't know what other reference to use, but they are horrible. So we basically choose our residence without looking at the name of the place, right? So we just say, oh, that sounds fancy. We're going to be in France. We don't really care. Okay, so fast forward a couple months. And this is the day we're, we're leaving. So we leave home 4.30 in the morning. We, uh, first problem, we can't convert our money. Basically, how the trip worked was made up of three flights. Now, for anyone who's never flown before and didn't bother researching how flights work, this is a problem. Also, I packed the night before. So this trip has already been well planned for, right? So we take our first flight, our first connecting flights, and then we land at our first destination, right? Now, that second connecting flight is going to take us overseas. Basically, the trip is made up of four flights to get to France. So we land in a city called Johannesburg, right? So there's an airport in Johannesburg called Oratamba Airport. So we get there and we think to ourselves, okay, we've got enough time. We stroll through the food court, stroll filled with folly, wonder, 
how the hell we got here, we don't care, fake it till you make it, all that energy, right? So we're doing our thing, and then we spot a restaurant, Wimpy. It's just a normal restaurant, uh, diner-esque, if you will. So we sit down, and we decide to eat. So, the bad omen was, well, at least the first bad omen, of which there are many, um, was a milkshake. Right, so I've never had an order go wrong three times in a row. So this was probably the first time we shouldn't have been doing this, but we're doing it anyway. And we continued, um, which is part of the course for South Africans, essentially. You say go right, we go left, and eventually we'll both meet up, we hope. So... Uh, I ordered a chocolate milkshake. Uh, Actually, I ordered a bubblegum milkshake initially. And then it came back chocolate. And then it came back cream soda. Essentially, all the orders were wrong. Which was almost as if life was telling us, Hey, you probably shouldn't be here. Let's get things moving up. Right? So, near the end of the meal, my friend opens her phone and she realizes, Oh, hold on. The pilot's calling us. Why is the pilot calling us? Well, turns out the pilot's calling us because we missed our flight and we are holding up the whole plane. So, before we had already checked out how far we were from the terminal, so we had a rough idea. So we're rushing, we get through customs, we're swiping our passports, uh, you know, we're high-fiving everyone, uh, shaking hands, kissing babies, whatever we need to do to get through. So we're running. Right, so now we're rushing to the terminal. We are literally seconds away from taking off by we i mean the passengers on the plane so we run up to the terminal and there we find five air hostesses seated now the door that leads to the terminal that you use to get onto the plane is open the one lady stands up the one air hostess let me have some respect for this lovely person this one air hostess stands up And I don't know why she decided that day that eye contact was the most important thing in the world, but she held that close to her heart. She stared at me directly in the eyes and as if performing a dance move from some Asha music video, slid with the door and closed it behind her back. Now, bear in mind, we're looking at the plane on the tarmac, right? So our flights have been paid for. Everything has been paid for. We've essentially been given a free ride and we may have just fucked it up because I wanted a bubblegum milkshake. So we're kind of stressing at this point. So we're trying to tell the lady, like, look, we're looking at the plane and she must be the world's greatest magician because somehow she convinced herself that this 50 meter plane or whatever countries use feet, I don't know, converts it, converts the metric system, that that plane was not there. Probably because she didn't turn around, but, you know, we're, we're not going to get into that. So we're talking to her, we're telling her, look, we need to go, the plane is right there. She says, no, it's too late. Now, because I am the genius that I am, this happened on a Sunday afternoon. Right, so essentially everything is closed nothing is open all the travel agencies everyone that assisted us to get to this point is at home with their families because it's sunday so we decide okay what we need to do we need to get into contact with our professor to help us so we we buy some airtime and we head towards the airport office so we're going towards the airport office we get there eventually and we start speaking with the people who work there we start talking to the people at the airline office to try and help us contact the people that we need to now we're there for a long time so we're speaking to them about everything telling them what happened what we can do 
while this is happening, it turns out that someone got into our bags and stole 95% of all the money that we had saved up for our trip. Now, South African currency is very weak compared to the euro. So at the time of recording, it's about 18 rand for one euro. And we had about just sort of 600 euros with us, of which 430 was taken. So basically most of our money was gone before the trip. Now we needed to find accommodation. We find accommodation. We had 130 euros left. Of that 130, 80 was paid, was used to pay for that accommodation that night. Right. So we find a hotel. And of that, my friend's phone was taken as well. So we were reporting uh, something that was stolen as well as money the morning before we're taking off. Now, police don't work like that, at least generally speaking. If you're about to leave, they're not going to investigate a crime. You're going to come back in six months. It's just a phone. So they told us, essentially, it's at an airport. You're probably not going to find it anyway. We're not going to look at it. Right. So we eventually get on our first flight. We land in our first destination. We almost missed that flight. Right. So finally, we get to where we're trying to go. La France. We're in Paris. Okay. So now we get there at about six o'clock in the evening so how the trip had worked was we had everything planned so the the accommodation the connecting uh, train rides flights all of that was essentially overdue it was no longer valid we got to the office hey we're here for our train ride sorry that was yesterday because you were supposed to get here yesterday everything was out of order we're at the train office we speak we're speaking to the guy we had to get our train that was yesterday. Done it. Okay, now it's getting late in the evening. My phone is about 30%. My friend's phone has completely died. We don't have any data. And we have no way to get to our destination. So we end up standing outside a bakery. Use their free Wi-Fi to call my professor who's back in South Africa. Bear in mind, this is late on Monday evening. To call something called a blah blah car. Right, now a blah blah car is something that most people probably haven't heard of, but you're familiar with the idea, it's carpooling, right? So essentially a bunch of people are going to the same place where a driver is already going, instead of going by himself, he offloads some of the costs, charges the customers, it's cheaper for everyone. So we get the name of someone, she says, okay great, I booked the trip, it's about 8pm on a Monday night, uh, in the middle of Paris, his name is John, he's driving a white Volvo. Now, there are about 100,000 cars in the middle of Paris on any given night, and we didn't have much time. So we're frantically running up and down. This train station has multiple floors, hundreds of shops, trains, buses, cars, everywhere. It's chaos. If it's your first time there, you are overwhelmed. We're speaking to everyone. Have you heard of this? Do you know what the color blue is? Count for me from one to four. All the questions you could ask, we ask. Eventually, we find one sweet, sweet old man. Bless his soul the only person that was really willing to help us. Right, let's get back to that. So we find the old man and he's helping us look everywhere. Right, so now at this point, it's getting quite late and we only have about 10 minutes left. So he leaves to go find someone. Now we have a choice to make. Do we stick with this man that decided to help us of everyone that we've spoken to so far? Or do we venture out on our own and take the risk of finding the car which we may not find, and we may not find the man as well, which means we could potentially be stuck in Paris, alone at night, with very little money, 
potentially sleeping on a cold wooden bench in a train station. Right, so we say, okay, we're gonna go for it. So we head outside and we enter the city of Paris. Now, it starts getting a bit weird. So I decide that I'm gonna go out by myself. My friend is gonna wait with the luggage and I, I don't wanna walk around the world that would be faster. I can go speak to someone also I leave the station as soon as I stop driving the man approaches me. He says, hey, do you have five euros? I said, no, uh, I, I don't, but I'm looking, I said, oh no, sorry, I said, yes, I do, but I'm looking for a car, can you help me find it? He takes me to his friend, each of them seemed to be, I don't know how to describe it, but it seemed like a team that was getting ready to film the new Italian job. Everyone was of a different nationality, it was a guy from the Netherlands, a guy from the Czech Republic, and the man from the Czech Republic, as if from some sort of movie trope or stereotype, pulls out the smallest phone. Um, essentially the ones that drug dealers use in movies. And he says, here, I call the number and with one minute left, I find the driver across the road. We had literally 60 seconds or we were going to sleep on the streets of Paris in our first night. Bear in mind, everyone back home that's excited for us to give them updates doesn't know what's going on yet. In their minds, their children have made it. They've done what no one thought possible. They've somehow got themselves to Paris and they're living the dream. No one back home actually knew what was going on at this point in time. So eventually our driver picks us up and my friend, being the lovely person that she is, decides that, you know what, it's time for me to pretend to sleep. Not sleep, pretend to sleep. So at this point, we had only been speaking French for about two and a half years. We were at the beginning of our third year. So we had only really done a year and a half of decent practice, not even full practice, because bear in mind, the country that we come from, South Africa, is not a French country. So you have to sort of practice on your own. So my friend ditches me and lets me speak to a fully fluent French man, a French native, about everything. Um, where he proceeds to ask me about the, the reflection of the light that shimmers on lakes. And we ponder the wonders of the universe together. I think I said the same three words over the course of two hours. It was great. Which then we both fall asleep. So now if you're traveling or if you're in a stranger's car that you're not familiar with, it's probably not a good idea for both people to fall asleep, especially when you're so far away from home. Okay, so somehow uh, we make it and we don't end up on a Netflix special and we get to our destination. It's about 10 p.m. at night, right? So I'm gonna set the scene. It's cold, dark, misty. Our residence is in the middle of the forest. It looks like the entrance to Hogwarts. We have no money. We get to the check-in desk at the residence. It's too late to check in. It's about 10 p.m. at night. We have to argue with the man. We try to convince him. We give him every bit of info we can. Eventually, he finds our information and he lets us in. So after two days of traveling, we get into our room. We have no money. We have no Wi-Fi. We have no toiletries. We don't even have blankets. Well, my friend didn't have blankets. Somehow, I managed to fit it into my suitcase. I don't know how. Um, if you're looking for someone to pack suitcases greatly under the weight they're supposed to be, call Daniel. So, we have nothing. My friend covers herself with blankets the first night. During that first week, we don't have food. We essentially have no resources to survive. And we meet this wonderful woman named Jean. 
and she's a receptionist at my friend's building and she feeds us in the mornings. We, we meet her in the mornings and we get an apple and a cup of noodles and that's our breakfast. And she has an old bus ticket that we use to go to the bank to set up our phone account. Now, the way it worked in France was you need essentially three things. A phone number, a guarantor, and a bank account. And now each of them require each other, which makes it really difficult to start with one. Because in, in order to get the first thing, you need the second thing. In order to get the second thing, you need the third thing. And in order to get the third thing... You need the first thing. Somehow, it's just this web of impossibleness. It was horrible. And eventually, we make it to the office. We explain to the man that, listen, uh, we were on a flight. We missed our flight. All that chaos happened. We got robbed at the airport. Uh, basically, we're slowly withering away because we're eating about 10 calories a day. Uh, please save us. And yeah, we eventually uh, got through it. And uh, it was only about a year and a half later that I really explained to my family what the hell happened and how we almost completely screwed up our one chance going overseas. But if anyone's listening and you're now scared, uh, don't be. I think the, the chaos of the trip was the part that made it so fun, you know? All the bullshit craziness, missing flights, you know, almost being part of Italian Job 2, which would have been sick. There will be next time. No, but it's great. It makes for great stories. But to finish off, there, there's one final moment that I, I'd, like to, I'd like to tell you about. Um, if you thought it, it was bad, it's, uh, it's about to get a little worse. So the first night, I at least slept in my bed. So a couple days later we had a student sort of meetup. All the international students from all over the world, they were from America, Canada, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, all over. We all met at this bar. And as I mentioned, it's been a weird trip so far. So we're drinking and someone gets kicked in the head on the road and we all hear it. So that was a bit of a weird start anyway. So someone gets kicked in the head in the road. I'm like, okay, this, is, this has been an odd trip. The night finishes up, I decide to walk home with uh, the rest of the students, which happened to be uh, women. So I walked them back to their residence and the people failed to mention to me, I also didn't do research, that the bus stopped at midnight. So I didn't know this because we'd only been here for a few days and half of those have been trying to eat more than 10 calories a day and just trying to maintain a basically a normal level of uh, mental stability while our life slowly falls apart. Right, so I don't have anywhere to sleep and I'm standing outside the student residence building at night hovering around the door waiting for someone to open this. If anyone was watching me, it would have been the creepiest thing in the world. Essentially, I'm, I'm walking up and down, standing next to the door, just waiting for someone to open. So eventually someone opens, they let me in and I get inside the building and I can't get back out because I'm not a student at this building. My residence is far away from me. So there's a receptionist counter at the wooden table. I end up sleeping on that counter during the night. That winter got really cold. We had really thick snow. Now bear in mind, this is the middle of winter in France. We had really thick snow that year. It hadn't started snowing yet at that point in time, but it was still really cold. And I got woken up in the middle of the night by the manager of the building and he said uh, sorry you cannot sleep here you have to go to, uh, to another room uh, this is for students only so that's uh, that's my French accent um, I'm so sorry and then I get taken to a room with a wooden table where I sleep until 6am 
I go back to my residence, take a shower, and then we have a student meeting two hours later. All of which while maintaining a complete lie about how well all of it's going to my family. So this is an example of how not to travel or if you want to make good memories and no, you know what? No, don't do anything that happened to me in this plan ahead. Um, Yeah, just don't eat. You know, that might be a good idea. You know, water, very nutritious. Drink lots of water. Yeah, just avoid, avoid milkshakes. I think you can eat, just avoid milkshakes at all costs and uh, be really rich. So yeah, basically this whole, this whole podcast has been a a giant uh, crypto ad, uh, invest in NFTs, um, Bitcoin and all that. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, you know, let me know, drop a message on Instagram, DM me, let me know what you think. If you'd like to see another episode or if you have any ideas of what you would like me to talk about, shoot me a message. And until next time, uh, bye-bye.